Welcome back to another episode of the Crossover Podcast. We have an awesome episode today with former NFL fullback turned entrepreneur Chris Gronkowski. Chris, how you doing, man? What's up, guys? It's good to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> of course, man. Great to great to chat with you. How is uh how was your fourth, first of all? Man, fourth was good. I uh, partied a little bit, but um, you know, every <laughs> once in a while you got to. It was a nice little reset for me. Um Oh, I'm in Texas, so been stuck in the house for a while now. Um, I got three kids under the age of three, so wow, uh, it was it was good. Oh, it was good to uh, to chill a little bit and uh, and relax and really reset. Yeah, how's your quarantine been? It's been, it, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> at first, it was rough, but um, you got to figure it out, man. It, it's like everything else, you know. You, you get tough situations thrown at you. Got to figure out a way to just be agile and rebound it and and figure out new ways to get things done. So had to completely redo the schedule, the whole mindset, the whole day. And, um, you know, it was, it was good. You know, we, we found opportunity in it and, and um, you know, we, we've done our best to, to kind of jump on it. For sure, man. Yeah. I think that's a good outlook. So, so why don't you tell us a little bit about like yourself? Um, tell us about, you know, where you are at in your career right now and kind of how you got there. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, so, well, it's a long story. <laughs> we got time. <laughs> uh, so let's see, man. Uh, you know, the middle of five brothers growing up uh, ended up being the shortest at 6'2", uh, but super competitive and really drove us to that next level. Um, you know, four of us went on to play college ball and, and, and played in the NFL. My oldest brother uh, you know, went and played baseball instead and, um, you know, went and got drafted into the minor league. So, uh Really cool story, really driven just um, from competition, man. Uh, parents raised us to really earn everything that we had. You know, we were never given anything. Uh, if we wanted something, it was it was great. Hey, if you want it, go get it. Go pay for it. If you want to go to college, uh, you're paying for it. So that was always our mindset uh, was, you know, if we want it, we're going to earn it. And, you know, nothing's ever going to be handed to us. So uh, parents did a great job of raising us. And, and I, I think that's why we were, we were all successful and it all hardworking. But um, from there, uh, I had an opportunity to go to the University of Maryland first um, on a scholarship, a late scholarship that mostly came because I had good grades. Uh, it lost a bunch of players from academics. Uh, some guys just couldn't get in. Some guys failed out and they were about to go on academic probation. So it was kind of crazy, but I almost got a scholarship because I had good grades. I was actually committed to go to University of Pennsylvania uh, to the Ivy League. I was accepted into the Wharton Business School, which was you know, a huge honor. Um, most people would be super excited to go there. Uh, I kind of saw it as a great, a great opportunity, but also a high cost. You know, I was going to walk out of there with, with $200,000 in debt. And, um, you know, for me, I really wanted to compete at the highest level in sports. So when I had that opportunity to go to Maryland, I jumped on it, uh, played there for two seasons. And then I ended up actually transferring to Arizona, playing with Rob at Arizona. And, uh, man, for me, I didn't think there was a next level. Um, so I, I just tried to get the best degree I could. I got an accounting degree. I was one of two football players in the business school um, and just said, hey, I got a free education here. Let's take advantage of it. And I'm going to I'm going to come out of this and, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go work. I'm going to get the best degree I can to make the most money when I leave. So uh, that was kind of the game plan. Uh, my junior year, I, I started for the first time and, and I had a great year. And that was the first time anyone said anything about going to the next level. Um uh, and still, even after that, man, I was—I still didn't believe it. I was still partying on Thursday nights and uh, <laughs> waking up Friday, laying my head down in meetings, and playing on Saturdays. And uh, 
I, you know, I was going to have the most fun I can and really maximize it. And, uh, you know, my senior year, when I, when I finally realized that there, there somewhat was a chance, you know, I, I became a little more serious with it, but, uh, so I did, did go undrafted and, uh, had an opportunity to, um, you know, play for the Cowboys, really a, a one shot, you know, one, it, one and done. If you, if you don't do this right, you don't go all out and, um, and really prepare for it. You know, it's, it's going to be over quick. So walked into that opportunity and just said, Hey, I know I'm undrafted. Um, you know, I know a guy hasn't made the team in 10 years as an undrafted free agent. Uh, but I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make this team. And, uh, was really fortunate to have my roommate from Maryland actually go undrafted to the Cowboys as well. And we kind of made this pack at the beginning of summer that we didn't care, uh, you know, about anything that summer, except training, except making this team. And, uh, that year we both ended up making the roster uh and, and we're both on the roster on day one uh so cool uh real cool story for me I, I was able to get four credited seasons in i started three years uh three different teams got all the benefits i needed uh the 401k the pension the health insurance all that stuff and um for me that was a huge win a lot of people might look at it and say hey three years in the nfl or four years you know i got an injury settlement for my fourth year but uh you know might not look that great, but you know, it, it was everything I needed. It was way more than I ever expected. And it was a great start for me. So took that money um, and, and just started putting it to business. I actually went into my wife's business first uh, that she started because she was absolutely sick of finding a new job every time I went to a new team. Uh, so put the money into her business. We started this personalization company and uh, it just, it took off. Uh, so my first year outside of the NFL was actually making more money uh, with her business. So we were super lucky to transition over. And then um, you know, did that for about five years, helped her scale it. Still growing today. We still have it. Um, and, but at that time, at, at that five-year point was when I when I thought of the idea for Ice Shaker. And for me, that was my passion. Um, for her, her business was her passion. It's doing great. I didn't need to go and start another company or do anything like that. But you know, I, I always tell people, if you're passionate about it, that's what you love doing, then do it because you're going to be successful with it. So that's when I branched off and, and started Ice Shaker. And uh, four years in now, we're on Shark Tank. Uh, investments from Mark Cuban, Alex Rodriguez. Rob ended up buying Alex out last year after he retired. Um, so my brother Rob is in it now as well. And man, it's just uh, continuing to grow every day, trying to find new ways to get better. And uh, quarantine was just a, another opportunity to, to figure out different ways to, to hit different markets and get and get better every day. That Shark Tank episode was electric, by the way. It was electric. Man. <laughs> it, yeah, when you get the chest bump, bump your four bros out of the back room, man, it's it's a good day. <laughs> <laughs> well, how uh, how was that? Sorry to go right right to that, but like, was that more nerve wracking than anything else? But like, or were you just like super prepared, super confident? Man, so I was ready for it. You know, you have I was lucky to be on season nine, so at that point, there's eight seasons before you where you could just prepare and and yeah. you know, really. Really, first find out their personality, um, but also look at every single question that they've ever asked. The really, the only question mark walking in was was Alex. Uh, it was the first time that he was a guest on the show, uh, so uh, A Rod was. It was hard to research him as well. There was really nothing out there about A Rod Corp or what he really did. Uh, so that was that was tough. But other than that, you, know, you walk into a room of you know these five sharks, four of them you've watched for the last eight years, <laughs> and you, you know you know everything that they've said or done, and so. Uh, you know, if you prepare and you're ready, you know, it's it's not that bad. I mean, you're going to get butterflies just because it's a huge opportunity. But 
once you start speaking and uh, you play some flip cup, man, it's, you're good to go. <laughs> did, did you know that you wanted Cuban to invest? Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely wanted him. Um, he's in Dallas, you know, it makes it easy. Yeah. Uh, everyone or like that I talked to, or I read about, um, you know, they said he was great. You know, he was, he was in it for the right reasons. He, he wasn't in it to make money. Uh, you know, his heart was really in it to help people live the American dream, to help you become a, a better entrepreneur. And, and that's how it's been. You know, he's not hounding me, um, you know, every week saying, hey, what are you doing? You know, where, where are the numbers? Why aren't you guys, you know, 5Xing every month? You know, he's here to help. And, and if I need the help, he'll give it to me. And if I don't need the help, he's not sitting there hounding me, you know, asking me a million questions. He's letting me do my, my own thing. So is is he more of like a, a, a kind of an an advisor, a consultant to you, or does he actually run a specific function? So more more of just a, yeah, like a, an advisor. So if I need help with with a big decision, I'll reach out to him. Yeah. Uh, he has he has a whole team built out to help out the Shark Tank company. So uh, it's called Mark Cuban Companies, and I believe there's ten employees in that company, uh, at least ten. And you know, I, I have I have one of his advisors assigned to me. To, to help me so uh his name's john and and i talk to him pretty much every week um at this point so uh anytime anything comes up or, or a good opportunity uh, that comes across their plate they'll present it to all the companies uh, a lot of times we'll get better deals when you know all 80 or so companies um you know go on to one platform or start using one marketing company or whatever it is you know cuban companies will come in and say hey we got 80 companies here and a lot of them they say are all you know 50 of them are e-commerce we'd love to put them all on your platform or use your service. You know, what kind of deals can we get? So it's pretty cool um, to use it that way. And then, you know, there's power numbers, but also just to network with these companies that, you know, a lot of them have been doing this a lot longer than me. So I can reach out to one of his companies that, that might be in the, the health or nutrition space that might've already worked with GNC your vitamin shop or, you know, Dick Sporting Goods or whoever it is. And, and just say, Hey, you know, how's that relationship? You know, are you guys making money? You know, is it worth it? Should I pursue it, or you know, should I stay away from it? And if I should stay away from it, where you know, where are you guys doing good? You know, where should I go? You know, what have you? What accounts were really crushing it for you guys? So really, it's it's a great opportunity to connect with people and network. You know, for free, for nothing, just to help each other out because we're part of the same group and the same team. I've been watching Shark since since it's pretty much been on TV, um, and I'm always curious how much of the pitch is rehearsed and how much is off the cuff. So I'm just wondering for you specifically, what, what was that breakdown? Yeah, man. So really the, 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 the initial pitch. So like the first three minutes is it, you know, that's it. You're walking in there. Uh, you know, they're not interrupting you. You're just giving your pitch. Uh, after that, you know, for us, it was a little bit longer because we played flip cup. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so that it was probably about the first eight minutes was kind of, you know, they, they weren't asking any questions yet, but after that, it was all them. Uh, and that part was actually the longest, but they don't show you it. Uh, they're asking questions like, hey, you know, where'd you go to high school? What'd you do uh, you know, a- after high school? Everything you could possibly think of, they were hitting me with. Um, and they just don't show that stuff because it's not as entertaining. But by the time you leave that room, they know every single aspect about you. Uh, you know, they knew I was working with my wife. They wanted to know, you know, the, the stats on her business, all that as well. Uh, it, it's really, it's a real investment and it's real money. So they're going to, they're going to drill you just like anyone else would. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you, Chris, did you know that you, did you look to other avenues to get funding or like was your goal always Shark Tank? So I, I really didn't need funding. 
Uh, so really when I went on there, it, it was really to, to partner up and get the expertise and, uh, and the exposure, uh, being on shark tank, really exposure wise and proof of concept wise, you know, that's, that could be five years of work. Uh, we were six months in at that time for us to get offers from all five sharks. All it did was, you know, tell every single customer, Hey, this is a cool product. It's cool enough for all five sharks to want to invest. I should probably buy one. And so going on the show, you know, that, that was huge for us. And that was really the goal. Uh, you know, the money helped, the money helped and, and what it helped with was just buying more product. Uh, so I, I took that money and we really went from one product to, um, and we now have, we've, we've, we've came out with over 150 different SKUs and, and colors and stuff like that. But, um, at that time we took it and, um, we launched into about 10 different colors for our 26 ounce bottle, uh, with, with that money. So. Money definitely helped, but it, it definitely wasn't the, the reason for going on the show. Yeah, I think that leads in well to what I was getting at, which is like, I agree, it's totally, a, it's a huge marketing ploy to be on Shark Tank, right? It, it, it's great for, for your marketing. It's, it's free advertising, essentially. But when I say free advertising, I don't know what the process is to get on Shark Tank. Do you have to pay money? Like, is there a thorough um, background check of some sort? Like, what is that process? Yeah, so back in the day, they used to actually take um, just the pitch on the show. It used to be five percent um, of your equity in your business would go oh, wow. to ABC. Wow. Uh, Mark Cuban came in and said, "Hey, uh, you know that's not my yo. I don't want the show to be about that." Uh, so he actually took that away. So I was lucky um, that that wasn't a part of it anymore at this time. So really, it's free. You know what they're looking for is entertainment. They're they're looking for people that you know are, are going to draw eyeballs in and. I, I got on the show and how I got introduced to it was through my NFL agent um, from an email. So in 2013, they sent out an email. They were looking for current or former NFL players to come in on the show because they knew it would bring, you know, bring, bring an audience in. So, uh, you know, early on in the process, they asked if, if the whole family would come on. And once they agreed to that, you know, it was pretty much a green light for me at that point <laughs> because I knew that, you know, they knew that having the whole family on would draw draw attention you know it's going to be posted on espn sports you know it's going to go everywhere and it's going to help grow their audience and and at the end of the day that's what the show is about you know they're trying to get as many people as possible it's an entertainment show uh even though real business is going down um you know it's it's all about entertaining so they're trying to draw as many eyeballs as possible and, and that's the goal so i uh, didn't have to pay anything uh just you have to yeah pretty much sign your life away though uh there's a, there's a lot of paperwork a lot of background checks and um, if there's anything in the past at all um, that could draw a red flag, you know, you're, you're toast um, or you fix it is what it comes down to. So uh, I had something as small as uh, I had, they said I had, uh, I forgot to pay my taxes or something like that from the state of Indiana when I played there. And um, really what it was is I actually did. They said I never e-filed it. Um, I had a CPA do it all for me. And uh, two weeks later, after calling them, calling them, calling them, we finally got on the phone with them. Uh, it was a 30-second conversation. And they said, hey, you never refiled. We said, yeah, we did. Uh, she checked the file and goes, yeah, you're right. You did. We'll get rid of it. Um, so something as simple as that, they were able to pick up. And if I didn't fix that issue, you know, I probably wouldn't have been on the show. So, um, you know, they, they, they definitely check every, every little thing and they make sure you're good to go before you get on the show. That's really interesting. Something as small as that, it kind of just blows my mind that they would care so much about that type of a minute detail. But it makes sense. Yeah, they got to protect themselves. And 
And so they're, they're going to check, you know, they don't want to bring someone on that could potentially hurt their brand or their image. Uh, you know, that's the last thing you need is sure. to, to bring, bring a star on or bring someone on. And then this huge story blow up about you know how they're a criminal or, or something that has <laughs> happened in their past that doesn't look good. So I, I definitely understand where they're coming from with it. Right. Right. I want to, I want to ask you something about, or I want to ask you about something that you said previous, uh, you know, a little earlier, you said, like you were really excited to get your pension and 401k and benefits from the NFL. And we've talked on this podcast to a couple of other former NFL guys. Um, and I, that strikes me as, you know, something that's like rare to hear from someone. Um, do you feel like, you know, your business background really prepared you for kind of your post NFL career, if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was always I was always preparing for my post NFL career because right. I think there was going to be one. Uh, so, <laughs> no, it's I mean, it's a big goal for guys, because if you don't get that third year uh, and it's not just three years of being there, it's three years of being on the roster. Um, and when they say being on the roster, uh, you know, you, you have to be on the starting you have to, on the active roster. Um, so usually you have to play in three games or you have to be hurt for at least three games. Uh, so I was I was able to you know play. I played in, I think, 35, 36 different games through three years. So uh, I was able to get three, but a lot of people don't. And it's actually set at three years because majority of players don't make it to three. And the average is actually like 2.5. Uh, so most guys, more than half the guys are out of the league before that three years. So that was always big, man. That that was kind of the goal um, that I didn't think I'd ever reach. And when I did, that was, that was big. So you don't reach it. You're literally put on the street that day with whatever money you made. Uh, and if you get cut, if you're not on the roster on a Wednesday, you know, you're cut, you don't get paid that week. And it doesn't matter what your contract said, it's not guaranteed. So, uh, it, it could be for a couple million, but unless you're a big star, none of that money's guaranteed. So, uh, you're on the street that day with whatever's in your bank account on that exact day. And if you didn't make it to three years, there's nothing else coming, you know, that's it, that that's game over. So, uh, I was always preparing for what was next. Um, I didn't think it was going to be what it was. Um, I actually had planned to use my accounting degree and, um, you know, my, 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 my original plan was, um, you know, the second I got to the league, I noticed that taxes were, were very confusing, um, for players, you know, they'd never filed before and, um, you get hit by what they call the jock tax. So every state you play in, you have to file in as well. Uh, so at the end of the year, you end up filing in, you know, eight, nine, uh, different states, depending on how many games you played. Uh, you know, preseason, regular season. And that's a lot, man. And, and it's also a lot that you get charged for a CPA to file it for you. Uh, there's also a lot of, um, for the most part, there's actually not a lot of write-offs, but, you know, there are some that you can take advantage of. And there's different ways um, that I learned as I was playing how to, you know, really put money away and save money on taxes. So uh, for me, I thought it was a great opportunity to go in there and say, hey, you know, I've been filing my own taxes while as I was an NFL player. I would love to help you um, now that I'm done playing. And so I saw that as a, as a great opportunity, uh, really also like a three to four month job where you just absolutely crush it for like four months and then you've got to chill for the rest <laughs> of the year. So I was like, hey, this would probably be a great opportunity for me. And then um, all that changed when, when my wife started her business uh, when I was in my, my, my third year. So you said you never expected to even have an NFL career. What was your passion growing up? Because even you said your, your oldest brother was uh, drafted to play Major League Baseball. Um, was that ever an option? Any other sport an option or business or whatever? 
Yeah, it was kind of, um, man, for me, it was more, it was more about business, man. Um, you know, I watched my dad create, you know, start his own business, uh, really from nothing. And, and now 30 years later, he's the second largest distributor of fitness equipment in the U S. Uh, but I, I grew up, you know, doing the newspapers, umpiring, um, you know, working for my dad at age 15, delivering treadmills and, and gyms. And, and so I watched him start it from nothing. And that was kind of my passion at the time. I, I was kind of like, I could grind on anything, man, and make money. I was playing online poker in college uh, to pay for my, you know, everything I did outside of college, including partying and hot tubs and whatever else we wanted, uh, was all paid for with with online poker money. So uh, I was always finding ways to, to just be super innovative to to make money, and that's kind of how I saw it. You know, it, for me, it was always going to be, uh, you know, I was going to have a job, but I was always going to have a side hustle as well, and, and it's always been like that. You know, I, I could never just sit there and say, hey. You know, this is one thing, uh, you know, really a job, it's, it's eight hours. What do you do for the other eight hours? Um, you know, for me, it's, I still am able to work out. I have three kids and I'm still able to hang out with them and, and really do a lot with them as well. And then, man, there's still, there's still extra time. So uh, there's always, always time to grind, man. And that's how I always looked at it. But um, I love football and it was definitely a passion for me, but you just keep getting told as a kid, like, Hey, that's one in a million, right? Or, one in five million or whatever, whatever the odds are, it's insane. And for me, I was like, well, shit, I'm, I'm not even the best in my own family. I'm not even the second best in my own family. So what are my chances? You know, they were pretty much zero is kind of how I looked at it. And so I did everything I could to prepare myself for, for after football. Being that your family's predominantly a football family, right? How did your oldest brother get into baseball? Was it, were you guys also a baseball family as well? Yeah, man. So it really, we were just a sports family is what it uh-huh. came down to. Um, my dad never pushed us into any sport. Uh, in football, we didn't even play until high school. And we started actually playing hockey and baseball. And uh, it was really my brother. So my oldest brother, Gordy, never played football. Uh, he just, he was a skinnier dude, man. He was like 6'2", like 165 <laughs> or something like that. And uh, once he got to college, he, he grew and he was, you know, he was 6'5", 240. But um in high school, he was small. And so he never played football. He was never interested in it. My dad never pushed us into into any sports. And then my brother Dan came, and he was just an absolute beast, man. He was like 6'5", 235 in high school, uh, you know, playing quarterback. And it was like the coolest thing ever, right? So he went out for the team. And uh, after he went out, I'm like, I'm in. Like, I got to <laughs> like, you know, I, I gotta play now. And uh, you know, he went and got a college scholarship. And it was, it was just this huge opportunity uh, for us. And it was, you know, because he did it, it gave me the hope that I could do it as well. And that's, I think, what got us all on board uh, with football. So it really was my brother, Dan, who just jumped on and, um, you know, had success with it, got a D1 scholarship, and it really opened up the doors for the rest of us. Awesome. When, what was your uh, favorite city to play in when you were in the NFL? Man, favorite city. Uh, so the three different teams I was on uh, – all different, man. They're all different. I played on three great teams. And so when people ask me what the best one was, really all three were great organizations, great, great fields, great home crowds. Uh, one of my favorite games to play in, though, was, it was probably in Green Bay. Uh, just because, like, you show up there and it's just so much different. Uh, every The fans actually come to the way team's hotel and they know everyone. They they know the the way team, every player. And you're like, man, I'm I'm this rookie, uh, you know, from Dallas. And they're like, oh, hey, Chris, how you doing? So I'm like, <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean, man? And, and I'm signing <laughs> cards for them. And 
they're just amazing sports fans, right? And uh, the whole city is just all about about sports and about football, and and they're welcoming too. So it's pretty cool to see. But um, just going out on that field as well, we played. It was like it was like ten degrees out, and uh, it's just like the classic like Green Bay game, right? We got smoked actually, but it was just a uh, it was just a really cool atmosphere to play in. Yeah, Rogers been doing that to the Cowboys for years now. Yeah, man. Yeah, there's something uh, something with playing there that's even worse. I mean, if you're not used to the cold and you show up there and it's 10 degrees, it's it's a game changer. Was was there one team that you secretly wanted to play for? Uh man, probably not. Um, for me, it was it, it was really, you know, if I could play anywhere, that was awesome. I mean, later on, uh, after my brother Dan and my brother, you know, Glenn ended up playing for the Patriots. I mean, I would have, I would have loved to have had the opportunity to go play with Rob again because, for us, it it was just a, it was a different level when we played together. Uh, playing with your family members, to me, it was the, the ultimate motivation because you know you have to live up to their expectations as well. And the second you walk into the film room after a bad play, and you got to watch it with your bro watching, and you got to get made fun of by your bro. It was like, man, that's that's the worst feeling in the world, right? Yeah. If you play, you have a good play, man. You walk in the room and your bro's watching. You know, you're slapping each other up, and you're like, yeah, what's up? Where where were you at on that play? So, I I always thought that when I played together with family members, it elevated everyone's game to a whole nother level. So uh, later in my career, when I was after my third year, I I signed with the the Chargers. I thought I had a chance to uh, to sign with the Patriots, but um, it didn't happen. So the rest of my family also, you know. My brother Dan and uh, and Glenn signed there, and I was like, man, I wish I had that one chance to uh, to show up there with Rob because I, I think our personalities are the most similar um, on the field that, than the rest of the brothers. So it would it would have been a lot of fun to play together. I mean, that's that's similar to the gym, right? I mean, if you go to the gym by yourself versus going with a, a lifting partner, you're that much more motivated because you're not gonna, you know, you gotta show them up. Yeah, man, especially when uh, when it's your little bro, man, too. Yeah, never let them beat you. So, uh, you know, that's how college was for us and everything that we did. So weight room, you know, on the field, you know, speed drills, everything. It was like, hey, why? Why should he be better than me at this? You're like, I can't let him beat me, man. We're born. We have the same parents, you know, we have the same upbringing. There's no way he should be better than me. So everything we did was a competition. And, uh, you know, it didn't matter if it was squatting or benching or or just running 40s, man. Everything we did was against each other, even you know, running stadiums in the middle of the day and we're both just absolutely gassed about to throw up and we're like, nope, you know, I'm still, I still got to beat him or he still got to beat me and we're still pushing each other. And that's how it is, man. So I, I loved playing with family because it just took me to that whole, a whole nother level. Did you guys all root for the same sports teams growing up or we kind of had that rivalry too? No. So we all were Bills fans, man. My dad uh, was a big time Bills fan. He went to all the Super Bowls. You know, he'd hang the, the seat cushions up on the, on the wall in the office and, uh, you know, we were, we were Bill's Mafia all day, man. That's all I knew. I was actually shocked when I went to Dallas and, um, you know, people had their shirts on uh, in the stands and, and they weren't pissing on the wall and uh, there weren't fights everywhere. I was like, man, is this an NFL game or <laughs> what's going on here? That's all we saw when we grew up, man. All I, all I saw was the Bills and, um, and that was it. You know, we didn't watch other teams. We didn't go to other games. We went to the Bills games and, and that's all we watched. So uh, big time, big time Bills and, and Sabres fans. Awesome. Who are you? Uh, who are you rooting for this year when the Bucks play the Bills? Man, so have they played each other? I don't know. I haven't checked. <laughs> Let's say they do. I don't think they play each other, but um, I, man, I, I mean, I'm definitely. I've always root for my family. Uh, 
I, I like seeing the Bills win, and not when they're playing against against my brother. That I don't think that's ever actually <laughs> happened ever. I was just about to say, yeah. <laughs> I, I like I like seeing them win, man, because when they win, it's a, it's a whole new level in Buffalo, and then you get to see all the amazing videos of people, you know, jumping off of cars and slamming each other through tables that are lit on fire. Uh, so it's it's exciting, man, when they win, and uh, it, it's it's all. Be something that I, that I look forward to the next day <laughs> for all the videos after a big win. For sure, those are going to be two really good teams this year. Fun to watch for sure. Always, man. Yeah, I'm excited. As long as as long as there's a season, I'm happy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that might be wishful thinking at this point, honestly. Oh no, they're just uh, we got three weeks, and we'll see if uh, you know, training camps delayed or or reporting's delayed at all. But so far, so good. So let's uh, keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. I think, didn't the NFLPA vote to uh, not have any preseason games? Did I see that? I think they, they backed away on two of them. Okay. I don't think they've taken them all away yet. Gotcha. That should have happened regardless of the virus anyway, in my opinion. So when you used to go to Buffalo to watch your brother play, did you prefer, you know, like being a fan and, and tailgating or, you know, going in the suite with your family and kind of just chilling? Uh, so it, <laughs> so if you wanted to get in a fight, man, you go you go tailgate with his jersey on. <laughs> uh, so after the first time I did it, I never wore you know away away team colors again. So uh, I stopped doing that. I, I you know the first time we went, it was you know beers being thrown at us and sandwiches being ripped at the back of my head. And you know at that point you can't fight. You know if you fight, you're fighting against the entire parking lot. So um, I'm not trying to get arrested either, but. Um, it was tough, so I had to stop doing that, and we had to be in a suite as well because the second people found out it was, you know, Rob's family or his dad or whatever, uh, it just became mayhem, and people would be slamming on the on the glass, going crazy, and uh, man, people, I mean, it was cool because they would always somehow like go up at first in the game, and like the Bills would be winning for like the first like five minutes or whatever it was, and everyone would be going insane, smacking the glass, like giving us the finger and everything. <laughs> And then, you know, the, the Patriots would come back and end up whooping them. And, uh, you know, the third quarter, everyone would leave. And then and, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't flick them off. But, you know, some people in the suite would then, you know, flick them off as they left the, the stadium early. <laughs> so it got crazy. But, man, I tell people all the time, like, they, they try to say that, you know, Rob's a trader or we're traders, all this stuff. He was actually drafted the pick after the Bills. So the Bills had the pick before him. Uh, they went with a D tackle instead. And he was drafted the very next pick. So uh, at the end of the day, it was kind of the question that, that was asked earlier. Is there a team he really wanted to play for? Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he would have been happy to go anywhere. Uh, he didn't pick the Patriots. You don't have a choice, really, um, unless you're undrafted like I was. You do have a choice. And at that point, you're not really picking your favorite team. You're just picking your best opportunity. Uh, but, yeah, man, that, that's how the league works. So you don't you don't really pick, uh, you know, unless you're the first overall pick, like some quarterbacks have done in the past where they just – said hey i'm not i'm not going here or there uh, you know you really don't have that option if you're anybody but that first pick as a giants fan i feel personally attacked by that <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah man <laughs> but it worked out for us i'll take it i'll take two super bowls that's good we got it yeah i think uh, most teams would yeah so chris i, I want to so we talked to uh all of our guests about their musical preferences so i want to get your take on music like what's your relationship with music who are some of your favorite artists some of your favorite songs man i, I really I'm, I'm terrible with like 
actual artists. I usually just put on like the top 50, man. I jam out and that's kind of how I roll. But it's weird because I, I definitely hit like different genres at different times in my life too. Like there's sometimes when I first left the NFL, like I'll go in the weight room. I just play like straight, like, you know, rap and that was it. And I'll go hard and like, like, man, like that, that was it. I was in the zone and then it kind of switched. And then, and then it was more about like partying and I'll listen to more like EDM stuff. <laughs> and then at one point I'm like, man, you know, I, I almost got into like this country vibe for a little bit and I was just cranking out weights to country. And I was like, this is weird, but it's, it's crushing right now, man. So uh, really anything, I, I definitely, I'll, I'll rock out to anything, but um, usually if it has, it has a decent beat, man, I'm in. Did you have like a one, one go-to pump up song for, for pregame? So man, we definitely had like party rocker for probably like five or six years in there for a little bit, man. Like, that was it, man. The party rock anthem was was it for the whole family, I think. <laughs> oh man. No, I was just saying that's so funny. The party rock anthem. It like fits your family so perfectly. It really yeah, does. man. <laughs> it, it it all happened because the it was actually the Super Bowl in two thousand eleven, or I guess two thousand twelve it was um you know, when 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 New England lost, but they still had the after party and now MFAO performed and it was just game over since then, man. And then they came on the Grand Cruise as well. So you know, a, lot, a lot of connections to the, the Party Rock Nation. <laughs> you know, everybody has that one song that just like clicks with them for some reason and they just run with it. Yeah, man. That, that was it for us. <laughs> I'm still running with it, man. <laughs> you got to tell them to come back, man. They're, they're like in hiding right now. Are they really? I don't know. I, I know they do a lot of stuff overseas. And even when I, I think they're, they're pretty big overseas, but um, even when we did the Grand Cruise, they're like, yeah. We, we we mostly perform in Asia. I thought oh, wow. it was pretty interesting. <laughs> Worldwide, man, everyone likes to party. <laughs> I, the last song I've I've heard of them here is uh, was that one first, or was "Sexy and I Know It" after it that? "Sexy and I Know It" had to be right, and then I haven't heard of them since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they broke up. Uh, I guess the the two were they were uncle uncle and uh, nephew. I think were the main two, and uh, they split. So. I don't know how that all worked, but <laughs> yeah, they were electric. So what? So you said you're not super into music. What about like movies or TV shows? Anything along those lines? Man, right now it's like uh, like uh, Paw Patrol. You know what that is? <laughs> <laughs> for the kids. They're, for the kids. They're abolishing it. They're abolishing it. Oh, Why? Man. Oh man! Did you hear that? Did you hear about that? Whatever. No. With the whole like cop oh, thing, because of cops. Oh, wow. yeah, they they they, they want to get rid of it because they're they're seeing cops in like a positive light or something like that. I see, I see, I see. What are you gonna do? Yeah, for I'm, not, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure on the latest on that, but it still plays all day uh, on my TV. Uh, Peppa Pig. Don't don't let your kids watch that one, man. That was that was tough to listen to, but um, that's that's really been it, man. Uh, lately, because you know, three kids now. Um, and I'm just grinding, man, every other time. So I don't really sit down and watch TV. I've really never been uh, that big of a TV watcher. It's probably because our parents refused to let us watch TV uh, because it just didn't happen at our house because we were too crazy and it just led to fights. Uh, so we were always outside and we were always gaming. We were always doing something uh, to get our energy out. So we didn't really grow up watching a lot of TV. Yeah, I mean, that's probably a good thing, honestly, looking back. like That's probably that probably contributed to your work ethic for the whole family, really. Yeah. It, it also kept my mom um, from going insane. She just throws <laughs> us outside. And so, yeah, man, it, it's, uh, 
it's definitely something they pushed as well. I mean, they didn't want us sitting in front of a TV all day, every day. And, you know, so we, we were, we were, we were taught to go outside and have friends over and play. And it, it definitely helped us, uh, you know, become better athletes for sure. Totally. And, and I mean, work ethic in entrepreneurship as well, I'd say. Yeah. Everything, everything, man. Uh, all that, all that just kind of comes together. As yeah. One. So in terms of, in terms of, your career where do you see yourself going from here uh so man we're we're in a pretty good spot right now um my goal here is just to continue building what we have going on uh every year we get bigger we get better um really trying to become a, a leader in, in our space in, in the bottle and in, in health and wellness space so uh you know this month we just bought a warehouse that's three times the size of our current one uh so we're trying to get in there nice. within the next 30 days but uh, man, it's 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 crazy because you think you've reached a lot of people, and you go out there and uh, you know you ask someone about your product, and they have never heard of it. You know, someone at a gym down the street from us that you know might be two miles down. You know, I walk in and they'll be like, "Hey, I wish I knew about you guys two years ago." Uh, so there's there's so much opportunity out there. Um, you know, we've reached so many people already, and, and there's still just so much more out there. So uh, for me, it, it's you know we're we're going into our fourth year. Uh, most companies don't really even become known or, or successful till you're five. So uh, we, we've done a really good job so far, but there's still so much more to go. And that's kind of the game plan. Uh, let's build the best team that we can with the best products and uh, the best offerings that we possibly can. And, and let's keep keep riding this train, man. So that's that's really all it's about at this point. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's a, it's a gradual growth process, right? So even though, yeah, maybe you go outside someone doesn't know your product by name maybe they've seen it and they don't know or you know maybe in two years they will know the name yeah man it's it's, it's definitely gradual it, i mean the companies that you hear about that explode out of nowhere a lot of times it, it isn't out of nowhere you know it's actually right. their eighth year you know and then they finally got to that point where they broke through and that's what a lot of people don't see and really the only time anyone ever has you know overnight success it's really not, man. It's really maybe what they've learned over the last 10 years that they then applied, uh, you know, if they finally were able to apply it in a certain way that really helped them, you know, grow super fast at that moment. But it never happens without a ton of hard work. And anyone that says it does lie, man, because if it was that easy. Everyone would just duplicate it then and everyone would be rich. So uh, it's all about the grind, man, the hard work. And a lot of it's just making small relationships. You know, one good small relationship is 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 super powerful, and you know it could lead to hundreds or thousands of other relationships, and that's what people have to look at. I mean, it still comes back to just the old fashioned, hey, I, I met you in person, putting a face to face, and just really taking care of people and actually caring is what it comes down to. Because the best advertising is your know, word of mouth. If you told me something was awesome and I was your friend. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to believe that it's awesome as well because I trust you. And that's really what it comes down to is, you know, getting people to try it, but then also taking care of them, really caring about them to the point where they're going to tell somebody else. And so that's kind of what we've, we've been all about was, you know, let's lead with value with stuff people can actually use, um, you know, stop trying to just sell and really take care of people. And that's when your business takes off. Yeah. Your relationships and business are always most important. Um, Miles, do you care if we uh, do a segment? We want to do a segment with Chris. I think it would be uh, pretty fitting for him. Yeah, we should definitely do a segment. I think we should do the alcohol draft. The alcohol draft? Yes. 
<laughs> oh man. Um, we can do it. So, so Chris, basically, the way this is gonna work is we're gonna run a snake draft, and uh, I'll randomize the our list of names right now. So, basically, we'll we'll probably do I guess four rounds. Let's do three rounds. We'll or, do or we should we should let Chris choose. What are your What are your top four? Yeah. All right. Uh, man, uh, I don't. I just gotta think of them as I go because I just chug whatever's there. <laughs> all right. Uh, but know that, man. You guys, you might as well get me on this one. Yeah. <laughs> this is a. I don't even know the difference between like some of the rums and other things. So we'll see I what happens. Either. This is a tough draft. Th- three rounds. Let's do a, a beer. Uh, and two, we can do two miscellaneous. A beer and any hard liquor of your choice. Just do two beers. Do two beers, yeah. Let's do two beers and, beer. well, how and about... hard liquor. <laughs> All right, two two beers, two beers and a liquor. Uh, That's fine with me. Let's run yeah. it. Yeah. Who's going first, Miles? All right, the order is going to be Stevie is Miles Chris. Naturally. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Stevie, you have uh, you have the one hundred and one here. All right, so beer. So it, you can take two beers and a liquor, any order. So you can take a liquor here if you want. I mean, it's this. I, I have a love hate with with this one, but I think I have to say it just because it's been my been my go to for since high school. Uh, Very light. Nah, I think I I think I have to say I think I have to say fireball. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's a, that's a good pick. I think I have to. Okay. I'm good. I'm up, right? Yeah. I'm going to take Bud Light. Wow. I'm just going to take the goat of all goats in alcohol, so I can't lose that Bud Light at 102, so. I'm going to take Guinness. Wow. I love Guinness. Big stout guy. On your way to the bathroom midway through the glass. <laughs> uh, That's heavy. Chris, can I you, take a liquor now? Well, you can, take, you can take whatever you want, but you get two picks back to back. Oh, okay. Well, man, I need a beer and a shot then for sure. Go for it. So I'm I'm drinking the old school. I'm going Buffalo style with the Labatt Blue. Wow. Then wow. I'm taking a, sh- <laughs> a shot of uh, taking a shot of Tito's with it. Um, All right. Classic. Um, you gotta have like massive cojones to take shots of Tito's. That's just like yeah. <laughs> like I can't do it. I feel like That's I'm easy. Like, <laughs> <it's> easy. <laughs> Hey man, when you grow up in college, we would take uh like what was the grain alcohol where it was like ninety proof or ninety percent? It's one eighty proof. Um, we used to take shots of that in college. So oh my god! It actually, <laughs> the next day it felt like you had a sore throat because it would actually burn your throat as it went down. So Tito's is pretty good. You ever you ever hear of uh, Rumplemints? Yeah, yeah. We, that's what we were drinking on, on Saturday for the fourth. That what well, that was. Stevie, every um, single time I take a shot yeah, of Rumplemints. A throw up immediately follows every problem. single time. Uh, I'm up. The, if if I'm taking shots, it's got to be tequila. So I will draft Don Julio. Wow, man, got expensive taste, baby. Up, upper echelon. That's okay. big time. So I'll go. Uh, that's what I had last, actually. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 1942, man. That was a birthday gift. Yeah, it's so good. Um, I'm up. I get two beers, right? You get two beers, yeah. Oh, Miller Lite. Let's go. <laughs> what? Bud Light and Miller Lite. You're killing it. Can't lose uh, here. Wait, so now I have two back-to-back? 
You have two back to back, and that wraps up your draft. So you need two beers. Okay, I need two beers. Um, all right. I I'm not a big light beer guy, so I'm I'm gonna go. Uh, I'll go Blue Moon. Nice one. And then I'll go. Uh, I'll go Sam Summer too. Nice. Hey, Boston, represent, baby. Yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> Is you're up. Last trap, left, last pick. Can't do tequila, right? Or can I do a different kind of tequila? I, th- I think you could do a different type of tequila. All right, I'm gonna go with my uh, my boy Casamigos because that's all I've been drinking the last like two months. <laughs> it's getting disgusting now. <laughs> and I'm at the point where like every time I smell it, it's almost, I, I'm gagging. I'm like almost like internally throwing up. But yeah, I'm gonna go Casamigos. Gotta switch it up, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's like just nothing like there's nothing about a tequila drunk that's bad. You always have a good time on tequila, so <laughs> I just kind of power through it, you know. I just like they say it's only upper, right, that's, man? That's it's definitely nice. debatable. Yeah, for sure. Um. All right. So I need one more beer. Awesome. I'm gonna draft the first beer that I ever enjoyed. Because before it, I was only drinking Keystone. I am going to draft Corona. <laughs> nice, man. I thought you were going to say Natty Light. <laughs> I went from Keystone to Natty. Went from I'm, Keystone I was to pretty, Natty. I was pretty pumped about that. I went uh, Rolling Rock to Keystone to Natty. It's, it was a true progression. <laughs> I like it. All right, Chris, you got to wrap up the draft, man. But no, uh, I, I went with the, the Molson Triple X. Nice. Man, this is like... The Canadian special, man. When you cross the border at 17, this is what you drank because you're finally legal and you went for the hardest beer yes. you could get because you couldn't buy liquor in Canada. So straight to the Molson Triple X's, man. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> pounding one of them. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's run through our lineup. Stevie, you first. There's Blue Moon, Sam Summer, Firewall. That's a good draft. Bud Light, Miller Light, and uh, Casamigos. That's <laughs> Hangover Central. <laughs> um, I got Don Julio, Guinness, and Corona. See, I had the Bat, Blue, Tito's, and Molson Triple X. Let's go, man. That's <laughs> right there. What were, what were you guys using uh, on Shark Tank? Uh, we were using water. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Got to keep it clean, man. That's a family show. Yeah. When was the last time you used water for Flip Cup? Oh, uh, yeah. man. Never, I don't think. No. <laughs> yeah, that's Can't. A, that's a, usually, you, you got to use shots. That's how you do it, man. Shots. So I'm, curi- I'm curious, like, because we're all from, well, Boston lives in, I mean, uh, Miles lives in Boston now, but me and his are from Jersey. One, have you ever been to the shore? Have you ever partied at the shore? And number two, where are your favorite places in the city? In Manhattan. Man, so, dude, I've never been to Jersey Shore. Like, that's, wow. I don't know how. That I'm is your, like, yeah, yeah, man. Place. I, I don't know how I didn't. Man, I was supposed to go there a bunch of different times. I never did. But even the city, uh, I've never really. I've been to the city. Growing up, I, I almost never. I think I went there once. Uh, you know, Buffalo's like six and a half hour drive, so uh, I had never really went. I think I went for a field trip or something like that to see the Statue of Liberty. But mm-hmm. uh, man, the city. When I go, it's like there's already a party planned out. And I just go wherever it is. So I don't really know the city that well. I just show up, man, and uh, and we go hard every time I'm in the city. So yeah, city is. Yeah. It's good, man. It's good. I, I went to. Um, I had a friend that lived there for a little bit. My high school friend, and uh, we went to Chinatown to a speakeasy, and that was like one of the craziest nights I had. Where 
some dudes just standing there with his arms folded and you you tell them a secret password and they let you in. And I'm like, no way is this a real thing, man. So <laughs> yeah. that was that was a good night in New York City. Chinatown. Whatever wherever that was, I don't know, but Chinatown, New York City, uh at a speakeasy. Yeah, city's a black hole. I mean you, you just show up and then you wake up the next morning and feel like you had a good time and that's pretty much it. Yeah, all I remembered was um so the speakeasy it was like it was like this chemist theme so everyone had like beakers and stuff and so they're actually pouring the shots out of beakers and they're like mixing it like scientists and stuff and i woke up and i was like man was that real like <laughs> that, what, what, what happened last night and uh exactly like you said man that was that was a crazy night there's a uh there's a place just like that in london it's called the alchemist okay that's probably what they're doing yeah yeah I'm trying to copy them <laughs> probably something like that what what's your favorite city to party in uh vegas man for sure yeah that's, uh that, that is that's party city man now you didn't uh you went to a pretty a pretty big college uh party school yourself though yeah you have a yeah man i think it calmed down a little bit once we left but um yeah man when we first got there like the apartment complexes recruited students by having you know keggers at the pool <laughs> And I was like, is this, is this legal? I mean, you know, everyone there was like 18. So I don't know how they pulled it off back then, but uh, it, it definitely stopped by the time we left. And there's a couple other things that happened, like some of the frats that got in trouble for like hazing and stuff. So it really, it really all stopped like my senior year uh, for the most part. Good time to get out though. Yeah, man. I got in at the right time and I got out at the right time. So Perfect. it was all good. <laughs> All right, man. Chris, do you have any uh, parting thoughts for our fans? Uh, man, I think we had a good combo today. Um, probably don't don't take my beer lineup. Uh, you're probably <laughs> really hungover. So don't hit on that. Same with Izzy's, so you're good. <laughs> That'll do it for today's show. Big thanks to Chris for joining us. We had some te- technical difficulties at the end there, um, but we really appreciated him coming on. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at... Chris Gronkowski, and you should also check out his business, icesaker.com. That's I-C-E-S-H-A-K-E-R.com. You can check us out at facebook.com slash the crossover, Instagram at the crossover, Twitter at it's the crossover, and I-T-S-T-H-E-C-R-O-S-S-O-V-R.com. That's it's the crossover.com. Thanks again to Chris. Peace out. <laughs>